Chapter 29, A Brief History of Life I was feeling much better. I had even found the strength to crawl onto the bench. No reason to be lying face down on the cold concrete, lying in my own vomit. I could sit half sprawled on the bench and wait for Charlie. He had run off, screaming something about emergency. All I had to do was wait for him. They would come. They would rescue me. No more dreams, no more fantasies, no more confusion. I wouldn't have to worry anymore. Everything was just so confusing, like a demented dream or nightmare. Someone had stood in the door of my office as if he had suddenly appeared there, which was impossible. I must have been so lost and confused in my own thoughts that I hadn't noticed him step into the door. That kind of thing can happen when you start to wonder after your life like I had done. Lose all track and sense of time, don't realize someone is standing there until they're basically shouting at you, which is not what happened here. This, this guy, this weird-ass freak had pointed his finger at me. That bit never happened. Why am I always convinced that he pointed his finger? Everything is just so confusing. And to get thrown out of my office, I mean, how weird is that? And everything else, the beach, the market, the apartment. Let's, let's start with the beach. How do you fit an entire beach into the lobby of an office building? How do you do that? So I must simply be delusional, like getting kicked out of my own office building. That couldn't have happened. I must have gotten really lost and confused. I mean, really? People recognizing me, not recognizing me? Not able to remember my own name, thinking I've got multiple personalities? I am Matthew Drake, and that is all there is to it. I've simply been going through a bad patch, not all there in the head, having a little touch of trouble telling dreams from the waking world, like walking down a subway tunnel and having it turn into an underground cavern. That's crazy. What's that called? Schizophrenia? I've heard of that one. Lots of people catch it. You can even catch it in degrees. That's the one where you can't tell the difference between things that have happened and things you only think have happened. It's where all the people who believe the NSA have planted transmitters in their heads come from. They get anally probed by aliens. They see dead people. Dogs talk to them, telling them to kill everybody. I think that's all covered under schizophrenia. I don't know. I've never studied. It's not all that bad. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. Kill everybody. I figure it can be simple stuff, too. Like you remember something that happened to you. As time passes, you sort of edit the memory in your head, think about what you should have done or said. And the problem is where you start to lose track of what really happened and only remember the edited version. Remember what you should have done or said as if it is what you actually said or did. That's schizophrenia, I think. I had a bad... I'd really lost track of things. I mean, how long could I have been sitting on that bench? Really? Half an hour? That long? Charlie would be back any minute now. He had run for help, left me lying there having an episode, shaking like a son of a bitch. It couldn't have been that long. An 
In that time, I'd convinced myself that I was living in a city in a box. Nothing real. I was sitting in a box, looking like a city, sitting in a box on the beach. I'd imagined all this stuff. You can do that when you're really far gone. Imagine that years have passed while it's really only been half an hour. Charlie would be back at any second. Help would arrive. They would take me to the hospital, probably give me some antipsychotic medication, talk to a doctor, figure out what had totally fucked with my life, figure out why I was seeing giant spiders living between the buildings in the warehouse district, all that other stuff, probably a collection of half-remembered dreams and nightmares from over the years, all crashing together in my head. All I had to do was sit there and wait, right? Someone would find me, notice me, wonder what was wrong. Charlie would be back. It was nice to believe, anyway. Sit there on that old wood bench and pretend that none of it had happened. Del Morgan never ripped out my heart. Still had it. Playing chess with a dragon, cannibal frogs... Struggling with the water of life, it really was nice to sit on a bench in front of my old office building and pretend that none of it had happened. Pretend that it was still my office, that all I had to do was walk through that door, take the elevator, and my job would be waiting. My petty, meaningless, bullshit job. It's all I wanted, to be able to go back, tell that freak to stick his bloody finger where the sun don't shine. If I sat on that bench long enough, would Charlie come out? What would he say? Would he recognize me? Strange that I wanted my office back. I hated my job. I really did. That was no bullshit. Why'd I want to go back? Anything was better than being eaten by mutant frogs, I suppose. I didn't have to wait for someone to recognize me. I could walk into the building, take the elevator, go back to the office, look for Jack. I... I Charlie. I was so close to the real world, I could feel it. It's hard to explain. I was in the world. Del Morgan was in the world. You could see her apartment from the street, but there was something off about it. Like you couldn't find it if you tried, but it was there. So it wasn't entirely real, not like this office building. This was real. I could reach out and touch it, taste it, lick it with my tongue. I could. It was nice to sit among real people, if any it had been walking by, anyway. Not knowing about the strange person sitting on the bench, the one who could turn into a ten-foot disciple of Cthulhu if he wished, start busting heads open. But I didn't like to think like that. I would rather remember the things as they were, pretend I still fit in. The world was still the place where I lived, right? I could climb off the bench, walk to the industrial district, and find the music shop. Yeah, the place where I'd found the magic box of Solomon Prophecy. It wasn't in some off-kilter dimension. It was right here, in the city. The real city with spiders that nobody else could see crawling over the landscape. At least my office building didn't have any spiders spinning webs all over it. That was a relief. Helped me remember how things used to be before I began to notice all the things that most people simply didn't notice. Of course, my grasp was tenuous. It was trying to open the door to my very normal-looking office building that had left me on the beach in the first place.
Maybe that's what I was doing, sitting on that bench, pretending I was waiting for Charlie. I was sitting there hoping to find a way back to the beach. Maybe if I believed it enough, really convinced myself that everything that had happened had happened in less than half an hour, that the door to the beach would still be there, that I was really still sitting in a little wood box on the beach. I wanted the peace and quiet of the ocean back. Was that so much to ask? Which is when I realized how quiet it was. Which is when I realized that nobody else was around. Nobody walking down the street, sitting on the bench, going in and out of the building. No traffic noise. No noise of any kind. Okay, this was getting weird. You at least get birds flapping and chirping around, right? Okay, I was starting to freak. It was like that moment before I stood and walked to the door, tried to open it, couldn't, and found myself with a mouthful of sand, the beach, the ocean, waves slowly waxing and waning, nothing but miles of deep blue sea, not a feather, not a bird, not a single solitary seagull, nothing but ocean and beach and an island that had no end, with a wood box twenty feet on a side, a box that contained the whole wide world and everything in it, including dragons and giant spiders, Del Morgan and the common market, which is how I found myself running, not really running, more stumbling, lurching, falling forever forward like I I was tripping over my own two feet and simply never hitting the ground. I realized I was running, struggling, straining to be away from the office to put as much distance between myself and the door to the ocean as possible. I was shivering, skin crawling, heart racing, blood pounding. I would need a heart before it could race. And I realized I didn't want the beach. I didn't want the ocean. I didn't want to wander back into the box and be taken to market. It was more than that. The ocean was unreal, as nightmarish as anything you could possibly imagine. I'd done impossible things on that beach. I had made fire, molded wood with thought I had swum in the ocean as a fish. How do you do that? Turn into a fish? It's unnatural. It's inhuman. It's unreal. And yet I had done it like it was a dream, a lucid dream, as far away from reality as you could possibly get. How had I gotten like that? I had gone from being some schlub in an office, tossing fireballs and flying with great cosmer wings over an island. How does such a thing happen? I had accepted it. I didn't care. That divine madness crap I was talking about. Nothing had mattered. I didn't care. Want to change the world? Sure, why not? This kind of shit just doesn't happen. You don't suddenly start shaping wind and rain and sun. It's unnatural. I didn't want to live in that kind of world. A place where fire could flow from between my fingertips. A world where I could scorch giant frogs with flame gushing from my outstretched hand. It had happened just like that. Didn't even think about it. I needed fire. Fire I got. Why'd I do shit like that? Accept it. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. It was so far gone from reality that there was no turning back. And yet... And yet I wanted to turn back. I wanted my heart back. I wanted my life. Even the sucky parts. I stumbled, staggering. 
slid into a parked car. God, I didn't even know I was still moving. Breathing hard, leaning against the car, people all around me, walking up and down the street, cars moving, driving past, making that racket that only cars make. Just like that, it was over. I was in the world. Of course, the world also contained Del Morgan, which is when it started to rain. I didn't have anywhere else to go. This audio recording of The Fearful Pagidian, Pin the Tail on the Donkey, is copyright 2010 by Keith T. Jones. All rights reserved.